blessing him. Well, good morning, church, and welcome to week three of a series, our, our vision series for 2022, a series that we're calling Deeper. Deeper. And over the past couple weeks, we've been working through this word, and we've got another, including today, another six parts to the series, but we've been working through this word that God gave us individually and as a church that in 2022, we need to go deeper. We need to step out of the shallows of our faith, the shallows of our, our, our just kind of like Christian nice looking life where we follow Jesus, we believe in Jesus, but we do whatever we want. We also believe whatever the world tells us to believe. We need to step out of the shallows into the depths of what God has for us, into the deep, into a place of love, of joy, of peace, of healing, and into a place where we trust God, where we surrender to God, and where we give ourselves to him. And so over the past two weeks, we've been exploring what deeper means, what it actually looks like, and how going into the deep changes us. But over these next couple weeks, we want to start to explore some of the practical aspects. Because I'm, I'm a type of person who, who, understanding the theory is really great, but practically speaking, what does it mean to go deep, and what are some of the challenges that you might expect as you go into the deep? Because it's one thing to say, I want to go deeper in 2022, but it's another thing to actually start to walk it out. And, and the reality is that, that we're all engrossed in this life where we're surrounded by influences that will try and tell us that going deeper really isn't the best option. It's these things that will tell us, like, do you really want to trust God with your time? Do you really want to trust God with your finances? Do you really want to trust God and, and give up the pleasure you've been experiencing or give up the lies that you've been leaving that are popular in society? Do you really, is it really worth it going deeper if it means uh, giving up drinking to medicate your broken heart or giving up using anger as, as a way to cope with pain? Is it really worth it to go deeper if that means stopping in the pursuit of money and success and instead turning to God and saying, I'll trust you? Because the reality is that deeper is where we'll grow. But there's always a struggle on the journey to the deep. Because often it's one thing to say something and it's another thing to do something. And often in our conviction of I'm going deeper, we hit this period of time, this desert, this wilderness, where we have to learn and decide, am I going to trust God even when it's hard? Or am I just going to give up and return? You know, in Numbers 14, we find a story of a nation known as Israel. And in this nation, during this period, they've come from this place where they were in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. It's what the song that we sang a little bit earlier, Egypt, is all about. They were in slavery, and they cried out, God, save us, and, and God had come through. And, and he made a way for them out of Egypt. And, and they'd come out of Egypt, and they're heading to this land of promise, this promised land that God had said, I will give this to you. It's this land of plenty, of, of prosperity, this beautiful, beautiful land. But on their way to this promised land, there's this wilderness. There's this desert. These, there's these problems, this difficult place. And as the story goes, the context of this passage in particular is, is they've been journeying through this wilderness and they've had a lot of problems, they've had a lot of struggles, and they finally come to the border of the promised land. And they sent spies into the land 
to look around. And the spies come back and they've got all of this fruit and all of this amazing food. And they're like, this land is amazing. But the people in it are too powerful. And so it says, number 14, then the whole community began weeping aloud. And they cried all night. I thought having a baby was bad. Bunch of adults. The voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us up to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let us choose a new leader to go back to Egypt. We came from slavery. We came from this place of destitution crying out, God, save us. But God, I don't like what you're doing. This is too difficult, so let's just go back. Because it's easier in slavery. We don't want to go deeper into this land, God. The people are too powerful. It's easier if we just return to where we once were. No, I thought going deeper in 2022 would be easier than it is. I thought stepping out of the shallows would be easy and trusting God would be easy. Truly going deeper, truly trusting God, truly relying on God and, and, and believing that he'll provide no matter the circumstances, it, 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 it's hard. I don't have the time to put into it. I don't have the energy to put into it. I don't want to put money into it. it, it, it it's just, and those things that God's calling me to leave behind are just too overwhelming. So I'm just going to abandon everything that God wants to do in my life. Because it's difficult. And return to the place where I once was. Because it's easier. See, going deeper is something that's easy for us to proclaim over ourselves. It's easy for us to say that in 2022, I'm going deeper in God. But to actually walk it out, to live it out, is difficult. Because life is easier in the shallows. Life is easier on the shore. Life is easier when, when you can just rely on whatever the world is telling you or on your own financial situation or whatever you feel is best. It's easier to rely on yourself than to rely on God. But God, in 2022, God is calling us into the deep. He's calling you into the deep. So this morning, I want to, as we start to d dive into some of the struggles that we face, I want to talk to you about the draw of the desert. This draw that we experience as we start to go deep. This draw to return to where we once were because the wilderness is too difficult. The promised land is just too far away. You know, not long ago, I was watching a YouTube video about, I know I'm a product of the internet generation, um, but I was watching this YouTube video about the rise of coffee. And I say a product of the internet generation because the reality is that if I had seen a book on the rise of coffee, I would have never have read it. I would it just would never have been picked up. But a 20-minute YouTube video, sure, let's 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 watch it. Um, and so I watched this YouTube video about the rise of coffee, and, and it was just really interesting how um, the whole premise was basically how when coffee became the dominant the go-to drink in Europe, it replaced alcohol. And apparently this is true. I haven't done independent research on it. But, but apparently back in the day, people would drink alcohol all day, including they had this breakfast food called beer soup, which don't know what that is. Sounds disgusting. Very weird. But, 
But basically, they, the go-to drink of the day was alcohol, and then with the rise of coffee, coffee started to replace alcohol. And the whole premise of the video, um, we're not going to dive into it, was basically, it was just saying that the, the whole Enlightenment, which is this period of philosophical and political and uh, all this growth in science and whatnot, was equating that that happened because of coffee, because they went from drinking a depressant to drinking a stimulant. And I don't know if it's true, I think it's a little bit too simple, but but what really made me start to think about was what do people use to stay hydrated? Like what do we drink to stay hydrated? Because the reality is that, that we as human beings are made up of 60% water, so we need a lot of water to survive. You can survive over two months without food, but you can only survive around three days without water. So what do we drink in order to stay hydrated. What do I drink to stay hydrated? And the reality is that, that um, nutritionists and scientists say that if you only drink when you're thirsty, that you're actually only, you're already a little dehydrated. So in order to stay hydrated, you need to be drinking consistently throughout the day in order to maintain the water level that you need. And I, so I, I looked up in uh, Stats Canada and did some research on what are the most popular drinks in Canada? And it included a lot of things like, you know, water and tea, which I'm sorry to any British people in the room, but tea is basically water. Um, I love tea, but it's like, all right, here's a light flavoring of something. Um, maybe I'm making it wrong, I don't know. But, but tea, water and tea made up the top of the list, and then down the list we started to see things like coffee, pop alcohol that kind of filled out how we get our water. And the reality is we need water to survive, and, and scientists say we need about 12 to 15 cups a day in order to survive. Quarter of that tends to come from the food you eat, so conservatively, let's say about you need about nine cups of water a day to survive, but the reality is that the average person in Canada only drinks about five cups of water a day. So where do we get the rest from? Where does the rest of our liquid come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Welcome to health class with Darian. <laughs> I know, you thought you were coming to a church service. Hello. Um, well, a lot of our water comes from coffee. The average Canadian drinks 2.7 cups of coffee a day, which doesn't sound bad, but equals 233 liters per year. No big deal. And then, also pop, average Canadian drinks only about half a cup a day, which, that's great, right? Yeah, go you. But, you know, that equals 52 liters per year, or 26 of these two-liter pop bottles that you drink every year. I know, disgusting. And then, the average Canadian drinks about a cup of alcohol every day. This is ginger beer. I didn't feel like bringing beer to church this morning, but about a cup a day or about 100 liters per year. And so we need this in order to survive, but all too often, at least for myself, maybe you can relate, I would much rather have these other options because coffee just tastes way better than water. Pop just tastes way better than water, come on. But the reality is that all of these things are inferior 
to what the benefits that water gives you. You see, for every cup of water you drink, you get about a cup of hydration. That's good, right? But every cup of coffee you drink, might be here a while. Ah, there we go. You only get half a cup of hydration. So it's half as effective. Try and rely on coffee to fill your nine cups of water requirement per day. You need to drink 18 cups of coffee, which sounds disgusting, but my mom was a speech language pathologist and she had people who <laughs> told her she they drank 12 cups of or 12 pots of coffee a day, which that's you, I'm not judging, but when it comes to pop, pop is actually a pretty good hydrator. You get about seven-eighths of a cup. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pour this properly. Get a little under a full cup for every cup that you drink. That worked out. But you also get an eighth of a cup of sugar along with it. Which doesn't sound bad, but if you're drinking 52 liters of pop a year, I don't even want to do that math. And then for alcohol, well, alcohol's fun because we can't just measure it directly by cup by cup, but rather by, because it depends on the amount of alcohol in the, in the drink you're drinking. But on average, the average shot, um, can of beer or glass of wine will actually dehydrate you by half a cup. I can't even symbolize that. That's negative this jar. So alcohol takes away your water, coffee gives you only half, and pop, well, it gives you a lot of hydration, but a lot of extra baggage. And I know you're probably wondering, well, I, th I thought this was a church service. Why are we in health class today? Well, I'm not trying to tell you what you need to drink or what you don't need to drink. You can talk to a doctor about that. Um, but my point is this, that I would like to propose to you that it is the exact same thing in our spiritual life. That we need water, but often we'd rather settle for inferior things. See, John 6, 35, Jesus says that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's echoing something that he said to a Samaritan woman. Where he says, I am the water of life. Whoever drinks from me will never be thirsty again. It's this idea we see also in Philippians 4. And says, and my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to the riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. And so we have a source of water, Jesus we have a source of water, and when life dehydrates us, because the reality is, unless you just kind of cut yourself off from the world, you're going to deal with people who are going to make you miserable. Just, just I'm sorry, but that's just the reality. Your spouse will sometimes make you miserable. It's, it's just truth. I love you, dear. Um, that wasn't a jab. <laughs> but when we go through life, we will get dehydrated. Because there are things that stress us out. There are problems that makes us anxious. There are things that are uh, terrifying and makes it make us afraid. We will encounter issues. 
And so when we encounter issues, we have to decide, what am I turning to in order to be hydrated? Am I turning to Jesus, who will fill me up at a one-to-one ratio, Or am I turning to something in society that only gives me half of what I need? Or gives me everything I need with a little bit of baggage? Or something that actually destroys me? And you see, the reality is we get to choose, at every moment we get to choose, do I rely on Jesus or do I rely on these other things? And the thing is, some of these other things aren't even wrong. It's not even bad to, do some, to drink some of these things. It's not even bad to, to rely on other things. It's not wrong to watch Netflix when you feel stressed out and to relax. It's not wrong to be on social media. But what are you relying on? What are you trusting in? What is keeping you hydrated? See, the reality is, if you want to find the love, the joy, the peace, the restoration, the healing that God wants to give you, You can't find it. You'll find lesser sources of it in society. But you can't receive the fullness of what God has for you unless you turn and rely on him. See, the shore that you left behind in order order to go deep and receive what God has for you, it might look tempting. I'd much rather drink coffee or pop than water. It might look tempting, but the draw of the desert is temporary. They're limited in comparison to what God can do for you. It will never be able to fully supply you in the way that God can in the deep. You know, flipping back to Numbers 14, again, we find this story of these people in Israel, or this nation of Israel, who's come out of slavery and they're on their way to the promised land. And what's crazy is that the land they're promised is, is described as a land flowing with milk and honey, which to us just sounds really weird. It sounds good, but it sounds weird. But in that context, what they would have understood is flowing with milk meant that it was good for, suitable for growing or for raising livestock. So it would be good for your cows and your sheep and whatever else you wanted to grow. And, and, and flowing with honey meant that it was good for agriculture. So the promise basically was that God is going to take them and he's going to put them in this land where they can have everything they need in abundance. They, he will supply for everything they need in abundance and they will have prosperity. They'll have crops that they can grow and sell and make money and earn an income and, and God will provide for them in their need. But in this season, they're in a desert, in a wilderness, in a place where they're stuck between what God had promised them and the slavery they had left behind. And along this journey, they had been relying on God. They had believed in God. But they make it very, very obvious that they don't trust God. They're in the shallows, not in the deep. And the reason I say this is because time and time again on this journey, whenever they face an issue, their response is never, God, we trust you. Brother, oh, we should go back to Egypt. Better if we were there. And it starts off in Exodus 14 when they're stuck at the Red Sea. 
basically the story goes that Israel's coming out of Egypt and they come to the sea and they're camping at the sea and God is coming, going before them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, absolutely terrifying. And an army of Egyptians comes and is like, we're going to capture you and bring you back into slavery. And, and, and so they have a problem and their response is this. They say, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Oh, we wish we were just back in slavery. There was a problem. Their solution was complain. God's solution was he told Moses, raise your staff. He split the sea. Israel walked through on dry ground. And then when Egypt tried to follow, he shut the sea. So they couldn't follow. Problem solution. Or problem complaint solution. And then, you know, they don't learn. So Exodus 16, when they're short on food, they say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. That's crazy. We were in slavery. If only you'd killed us because death would have been better than your provision. There we sat around pots of food, pots filled with meat, and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Again, problem. They lacked food. They complain. God sends the manna, bread, to eat. And so he provides for them. And then one chapter later, Exodus 17, this time they're short on water. And you know, God has split the sea, he's provided them with food, but obviously he doesn't care about them enough to give them water, right? And so they say, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Again, problem, complaint, solution. God tells Moses, strike that rock with your staff, it splits open, water comes out, and they have water. And then, again, in Numbers 14, where now they're tired of manna because, you know, God providing you supernaturally with food isn't enough. He has to hold your hand, too. They're out of manna, or they're tired of manna, and so they complained, oh, for some meat. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we see is this manna. I mean, I don't really like cucumbers, so... I'd have to be pretty desperate to be like, ah, oh, cucumbers. It'd be great. Ah, oh, this manna. It wasn't really a problem that they had, but they just didn't like what God had been giving them. So they complain, and God sends them quails to kill and eat. He gives them meat. And by the time we reach Numbers 14, Israel has complained around 10 times about the way that God brought them out of slavery. Like, how stuck up do you have to be that God is literally setting you free from something and you're like, ah, oh God, this sucks. But ten times, around ten times, they've been complaining about the way God saved them from slavery and each time God has provided for them. But this time, they'd come near the land that God had promised them and they'd seen how great it was, but their spies said the people in it are too strong. And so they're like, no, 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 God, you provided for us before. This is too far. We're going back. We're done. Ten times they complained. Four times we see God provide for them there. And now they're ready to give up. You know, I think it's easy for us to judge them, but how often do we act the same way? We're like, God, give me this, please. And as he's leading us there, we're like, ah, God, no, this sucks. We complain about the method he uses 
act like spoiled little children, kicking up a fuss, complaining when things go wrong, and just wishing we could go back. And, and we say, I'm going deeper in 2022, but the lure of money, of success, of other things that promise that we can trust in them distracts us and makes us say, no, God, this is too difficult. I'm willing to go deeper, but you're asking too much because this is complicated, so I'm just going to stay here in my comfortable Christian life because it's easy. And then we have the audacity to complain. We're standing over here in the shore, drinking our 52 liters of soda. We have the audacity to complain, God, you promised me that you would bless me with every blessing in abundance. That you provide me with a peace that surpasses all understanding. That you never leave me or forsake me. But I'm stuck in this horrible place, God. Why haven't you provided for me? Well, it's because you're trying to go back to the things that have caught you before. Things that he's calling you out of. And he's setting you free from. And if you stay, if you, if you ask for freedom but you stay where you are, you are never going to change. You're never going to find that freedom. Because it requires surrender. See, going into the deep isn't easy. It isn't sexy. It isn't a simple three-step process that you can accomplish in a week and then, oh, look at that, I'm in the deep, great. That's all God had for me, cool. It takes work. It's difficult. It isn't convenient. Going into the deep takes effort, and it's going to cost you. And so the people in Numbers 14, they complain against Moses. They complain and complain and cry all night, and it's just this whole thing. And as the story goes on, the, we see that two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they come forward, and they're like, guys, 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 I know it sucks. I know it's difficult. But we were in that land too. And yeah, their people are powerful, but guess what? The God who split the sea, who sent us bread to eat, in the night, it just magically happened, who split a rock and gave us water, who provided us with quail, that God is marching with us. We might be going into battle against these people and they might look strong, but their power has been removed because they have nothing that can match our God. And the people, they hear these spies say these things and they're like, ooh, how should we kill you guys? I'm not even joking, you can look it up. And God had told them, I will bring you into a promised land. God had shown them, I am providing for your every need. Even the stupid ones of being mad at the bread I'm sending you to feed you when you don't have food. And Joshua and Caleb had told them, yeah, the enemy is powerful, but God is more powerful. And God had set them free from slavery, but the second that the enemy looks too powerful, they wish to return. Because slavery was easier than actually reaching the depths of what God had for them. And we see the story goes on, that, and God's like, okay, you guys can wander the desert for the next 40 years until all of you die and a new generation comes up who will trust me. And they missed out on the promise because they didn't trust God. See, often in the process of going into the deep, of, of, of heading into the promised land that God is calling you to, you will encounter a problem. You'll encounter a wilderness. You'll encounter a test that will help, you, you'll have to decide, is, is it worth it to go into the deep, or should I just give up? 
See, there will always be issues and problems on your journey into the deep. There will always be storms and reasons to turn back. Because the deep is inconvenient. It's hard. It isn't what society likes to tell us we need to do. Uh, But you have to decide, is the place where I once was worth it? Or is the deep more valuable than what I had there? Is the lure of convenience that the shore promises worth it? Or am I willing to put in the effort necessary to go deep? See, the draw of the desert is convenience and pleasure. But what's the cost? What's the cost? You can stay in unforgiveness and anger without dealing with the pain that you're experiencing in your life. All you want And you can try and bottle it down and cover it up and hide it and do whatever you want. But the cost is that now, if you just try to bottle it down, it's now starting to control your behavior. Because what you're doing to hide it is making you change in order to cover it up. And it will always always surface at the most inopportune moment. And so you have the choice, do I just bottle it down and pretend it's not there, or do I actually do the hard work? Do I put in the work? Do I go to soul care? Do, do, do I get counseling? Do, do I do all this stuff to work through the pain and find healing? But that's difficult, so we'd rather settle for what is inferior because it's convenient. You know, something like watching porn. convenient and it gives you pleasure but what's the cost well i can tell you the cost because i experienced it the cost is the lies you'll begin to believe about you about men about women and about sexuality the alternative is to put in the work to get married to build a relationship And in the midst of that relationship, to push through even when it's hard, to pursue your spouse. But that's difficult, so we'd rather settle for what's inferior because it's convenient. Pursuit of money and success. Well, that's what the world tells us to do. And you might find everything you need. You might feel like you have everything you want. but are you really receiving what God has for you? Because money can only buy you so much stuff before you have to start relying on something that's internal. The alternative is to put in the work, to let go of the striving, to say, God, I trust you no matter what. I could have $0 in the bank account. I could have negative $500 in the bank account, and I'll still trust you, God. But that's difficult, so we'd rather settle for what's inferior because it's convenient. See, we choose pleasure and convenience over what God has for us. And then we complain because God doesn't provide for us in the way that we expect him to. But the thing is, God will not provide for your sinful lifestyle. God will not condone or support your decisions that are hurting yourself. He's not going to, he has all these promises and these things he wants to give you, and he will give you to them to you in an extent, but he's not going to hand everything he has for you on a silver platter if you're just going to take it and use it to hurt yourself or hurt others. 
we want to go deeper, but the lure of the shallows is, is, is too strong. And so we, we stay and we fall back into the bad habits and the bad things that we've been doing that are hurting us or not providing for us in the way that we need. And when we suffer the consequences of our actions, we're like, God, why did you leave me? You didn't leave. He didn't leave. You did. Why are you struggling? Well, it's because you decided to go back to slavery. Instead of receive everything God had for you in the deed. See, the reality is we all want to experience things like love, joy, and peace. But the true depths of those things are only found in the deep. But the difficulty with going into the deep is that the lure of the desert, the draw of the desert will always try to get you to go back. Go back to where you were. Drag you back into the slavery that you were in. And God is asking you, well, am I worth it? Am I worth it? Over all those things, am I worth it? Because if you go back, you're simply returning to slavery. You're returning to the chains. You're returning to the addictions. You're returning to, to, to the anger, to the frustration, to the anxiety, the fear. All of these things have been wreaking havoc in your life that you want freedom from. And those things will promise you that they will provide for you, but they won't. Not as fully as God can, not, as, uh, not, not without baggage alongside of it. And a quick hit will not help you in the long term. If you want true freedom, you have to stay in the deep. You have to choose to say, even if I have nothing. Even if I have nothing, I trust you, God. So when we're struggling to go deep and the draw of the desert is too strong, what should we do? Well, Hebrews 12 tells us this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so close. And let us run with perseverance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of glory. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary in your souls or lose heart. For in your struggle against sin, you have not endured, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I think this verse gives us three simple things to do. If you want to go deep and stop focusing on the draw, if you want to go deep. First, well, it's first, it's let go. Second, is focus on Jesus. And third, is get surrounded. Let go. Well, let go, that means lay aside everything that weighs you down. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the thing that clings so close. Lay aside those things that, that, that have been keeping you down, that have keeping you on the shore. And this means dealing severely with the things that are keeping you away from God. For some of you, this, this is what it meant for me about two years ago I had to go through this. Some of you, that means deleting certain apps from your phone. I had to delete social media from my phone because it was causing me so, so much anxiety and worry and stress. And, I, and it was keeping me distant from God. And God finally got a hold of me and was like, dude, delete those apps. Get rid of Instagram. Get rid of Facebook because they're just dragging you down. For some of you, that might mean actually physically turning off your phone. 
Setting aside a time where you're like, I am focusing on God. I'm focusing on my relationship with God and turning off your phone because otherwise you'll get distracted. Some of you, that might mean actually going to counseling, getting support, going through a process that helps you let go of forgive, unforgiveness and pain and anxiety and hurt or addiction. And regardless of what it means for you, you have to let go of the pleasures of slavery in order to experience the fullness that, of, the, of the deep. You have to choose to trust God first. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's easier said than done. Because about some, uh, late in last year was when God really got a hold of me. And he's like, dude, you got to go deep. you got to go deeper. And so I started to pray this prayer. And it's a very dangerous prayer. So if you want to pray it, I'm warning you. Because God will answer it. I said, God, I pray this every morning. God, teach me to give you control. It's a very dangerous prayer. Because it was right around Vision Sunday time, me and my wife had pledged to give into the vision offering. And then, over the course of the next couple weeks, uh, several thousand dollars worth of repairs just popped up in our house. Things we needed to fix for, you know, important things like heat, hot water. We just, and we had to spend all of this money to fix things that broke all of the sudden. And throughout that process, God was asking me, do you trust me with your finances? Do you trust me over your savings account? And my wife and I, we had to make the decision because we were giving faithfully to the church. We had offered to give over and above our regular offering to, to the vision offering. And so we had to make the decision, do we trust God and continue to give to him even when it means that our savings account is not going to look very good? Or are we just going to try and hoard all that money because of the problems? And we had to choose to say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I'm not only going to keep giving, but I'm going to give into that offering. I'm going to give over and above what you asked because I trust you first. See, we have to let go of the benefits of the shore, the benefits that the shore gives us, and go deeper. Have to let go. Second thing we have to do is we have to focus on Jesus. You know, when I was learning to drive, my mom taught me, Wherever your eyes go, the car will follow. And I think it's similar in a relationship with God. The question is, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the pleasures of the shore that you're trying to leave behind? Or are you focused on Jesus and what he's promised to give you? Because it's a lot easier to go deep when you're just focused on Jesus and you're moving in that direction. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to go deep when you're like, ooh, I wish I was back over there. What are you focused on? We have to fix our eyes on Jesus if we want to go deep. And that means remembering what he did for you. Remembering how, how he died for you. He endured the cross. He went through this pain and suffering. And in fact, uh, we see in scripture that he, went, he endured the draw of the desert as well. As he was in a garden um, uh, the night before he was betrayed and, and he was arrested and he was crucified. He was in this garden and he was praying, my God, my God, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
He endured the draw of the desert, and he pressed on, knowing, God, you have su- this is going to suck. This is going to be horrible. This wilderness is going to be awful. But I will press on because I know you have something better for me. See, Jesus is our example. Hebrews 4 tells us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who faced everything that we did, yet without sin. He endured everything that you are facing in your life, that you are struggling with in your life, yet he was able to push through because he's focused on the goal. Jesus is our example, and if he endured all of that, provide us with a chance to go deep, we should follow his example. Focus on him. Focus on where he's leading you. Focus on what it means in your life and be willing to trust the God, that the God of the universe will lead you and guide you. The third thing we have to do is get surrounded. See, the context of Hebrews 12 is right before it, in Hebrews 11, is a chapter that, that pastors like to call the Hall of Faith. And the reason we call it that is because there's this long list of these people who are in the Bible who lived lives of faith, who endured so much problems, so many struggles, but they pushed on trusting God first. And so the question I have for you with this is simple. Who do you have in your life who is a champion of faith who will help support you and call you out when you want to give up? Who do you have that will be there for you and remind you that the draw of the desert is temporary, that the draw of the desert won't fulfill you the way God will? Who do you have in your life who will remind you, no, 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 this is where you're going. This is why you're going there. This is what God has promised you. Don't give that all up for a moment of pleasure. Who do you have in your life that will remind you of where you're going and why? See, one of the things I learned when I was finding freedom from addiction was that the, one of the most important things you can do to find freedom from addiction is to have somebody in your life to support you, to get in community, to be accountable to somebody who will call you out. And it's the same with going deep. Because the draw of the desert will always try and get you back. But you have to have somebody when you're struggling, when it's hard, who will say, no, don't give up. You've got this. Let me help you. See, we have to let go of our desires for the pleasures of the shore. We have to focus on Jesus because he serves as a reminder of everything that God has promised you. And we have to get surrounded by people who will strengthen us, support us, and help hold our heads above water, who will help us when we're struggling and tell us, no, 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 no. These things might look attractive, but they're not worth it. Because God's got something better for you here. He's got something better for you here. We're going to close in a moment and go into baptism. But before we do, I just want to give an opportunity for anybody in the room who maybe, maybe you've been around churches for a long time. Maybe you haven't. But you've never decided to follow Jesus. You've never decided to step off the shore. You've never decided to receive all that God has for you. You, You've never decided to believe in Jesus. And you're kind of stuck in this place where you're trying to find joy and life and hope and happiness in the things of this world, the the thing that only Jesus can provide. 
And I just want to give you an opportunity, if that's you, and you've never decided to follow Jesus, I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. See, I believe God has the power to change you, to transform you. He took me from being a liar, a cheater, addicted to pornography, somebody who is immature and broken and lost. And I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing, and it's because of him. And he wants to do the same thing in your life. So what I want us to do is if I can get everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. No one looking around. This is just a moment between you and God. But if you're here and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, and you're saying, Darian, I, I want to. I want to receive all that God has for me. All I'm going to get you to do in a moment is I'm going to count to three and I just want you to slip up your hand and put it right back down. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, if you want to decide to follow Jesus this morning, slip up your hand and put it right back down. Come on, come on. Hands going up across the room. Hands going up across the room as children are coming home. You guys can open your eyes now. I just want to say to those of you who made that decision, this is the best choice you could ever make. It's the best decision you could ever make. It's not automatically going to make your life magically different. But if you decide to keep following Jesus and to trust him, he will change you. I just want to encourage you if you made that decision. And Dan will mention this at the end of the service as well. But after the service, go to gateway.ac slash believe and let us know got a bunch of resources on there to help you as you start to walk in your journey of faith, but we would really love to partner with you and support you in this decision, because we don't want you to be on your own. We want to surround you. Second thing I want to do before we go into baptisms is for those of you who are here, and you, you, you follow Jesus, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you followed him for a long time or a short time, and, and in 2022 you're like, I, I, I want to go deeper. I'm feeling that pull to go deep but you're in the midst of dealing with the desert, dealing with the draw of the desert, the draw to return because it's easier there. And if that's you and you're struggling to go deep, but the draw of the desert is just so strong, all I want to do for you this morning is I, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or come up to the front or do anything special or anything like that. I just want to pray over you. And as I pray, I want to encourage you to pray with me. Receive what God has for you. Receive what he's saying. And then afterwards, let go, get focused on Jesus, and get surrounded. Find people who are in your corner who will support you. So if that's you, I want to pray. And just join me in praying inside. Father God, I just pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of peace, of healing, of joy, and of, and of restoration. Father God, I thank you that you're the God who understands our weaknesses. You understand what we're going through. You understand the draw of the desert. So Father God, I just pray that you will support us, Lord, as we go into our weeks and we, we have to make the decision between do I trust the things of this world or do I trust God, that we will constantly choose to trust you and that every time we are tempted to choose something other than you, that you will call us out and you will remind us, no, 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 this is where I what I have for you. This is where I'm bringing you. Father God, 
let us see you in your glory. Let us see where you are bringing us. Let us focus on you first, letting go all the things that are hindering us and the things that are in our way, trusting in you. Father, I pray that for those of us who might not have somebody who who is in our corner to support us, God, that you will bring to light the people we need in our life to support us and call us out, God. That we won't be stuck doing this alone. I pray this in your name.